Welcome to the B'nai International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashen. Thank you for spending part of your day with us in this audio format. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. The B'nai International Podcast is a space we've been utilizing to hold frank and interesting conversations with our experts on staff. We've been discussing our advocacy for Israel, our commitment to the nation's seniors, our humanitarian relief work, and our organization's history. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with our Director of United Nations and Intercommunal Affairs, discussing B'nai work at the United Nations. But before we get started, just a couple of quick reminders. If you're new to the on-demand audio format known as podcasting, it's an easy way to stay current with the organization during your commute to work, while you're at the gym, or just tidying up around the house. Be sure to visit our website, benebrit.org, for more information on the content you hear today. You should also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Keep an eye on all three of those channels for the next episode of the show. But the easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. It's easy. Simply open up your podcasting application on your iPhone or the Google Play Store on your Android. Search B'nai International and then hit subscribe. That way, every time we release a new episode, it will be downloaded straight to your phone. Joining me today is my colleague David Michaels. David is the Director of United Nations and Intercommunal Affairs here at B'nai International and has been with B'nai since 2003. David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you. Talking about the United Nations, uh, it's important uh, at the outset for us to say exactly what B'nai at the United Nations means. Uh, B'nai was present in 1945 when the UN was founded in San Francisco, and then in New York in 1947, we received our first NGO, non-governmental organization, credentials, and then in 1960 opened the first full-time office on United Nations affairs of any Jewish organization. And during that time, uh, since 1960, we've done a lot of work at the UN. We're represented at UNESCO uh, in Paris, United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, Human Rights Council in Geneva, and at other places. So Benebrith really has a long history at the UN. Uh, David, I think the first question uh, probably should be one dealing with current issues. Uh, the two-term Secretary General of the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, just completed his second term as UN Secretary General. Um, How would you sum up his tenure? He gave a speech at the end of uh, his uh, posting, at the end of his uh, uh, responsibilities at the UN, uh, by talking finally about the bias that's inherent at the UN and its agencies with regard to Israel. So how would you sum it all up? Well, well, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I think that what may be most notable about Bonn is is what he won't be remembered for. Uh, although, as you know, uh, all secretaries general are somewhat limited in their capacity to steer the organization they serve. And uh, inevitably, they're sensitive, especially until they're reelected for that second term, uh, to the Security Council powers, the wealthy states that disproportionately fund the UN, but also the developing states that comprise the bulk of the UN membership, Bonn, I think it's fair to say, was was a particularly cautious, uh, even reserved figure. Uh, his tenure uh, 
from my vantage point, uh, was marked by few extreme lows or highs in terms of personal leadership. On Israel, as you say, uh, while he, he wasn't among those harboring uh, a firm ideological hostility to the country, his record was a bit mixed. He tried to diffuse uh, some uh, key moments of, of tensions in the region, and he did finally uh, acknowledge that anti-Israel, that undeniable anti-Israel uh, UN bias at the very end of his term. Uh, but he also became, at moments, uncharacteristically undiplomatic uh, when it came to criticizing Israel and its elected leadership. More broadly, uh, I'd say that uh, while he, he took a proactive leadership role on a few signature issues like climate change, on his watch, the UN was cited for uh, abuses involving peacekeepers, uh, some continuing problems of, of corruption within the system, uh, and also a lack of gender parity uh, at the management level. So I think I think we'll uh, we'll all be looking to see what the future holds for Bon, uh, perhaps in the context of a return to public life in his native South Korea. Let's talk about the UN system for a minute. Now we mentioned that Bene Brith was present for the founding in 1945. The UN is created on, on the ashes of, of the Holocaust and World War II. Uh, and there were great hopes at that time uh, that uh, this second attempt at a, um, an international organization uh, dedicated to, um, to a peaceful world, uh, the first being uh, the um, League of Nations, uh, would, would succeed and that uh, it would become a, a more peaceful world. That, that hasn't happened. But increasingly, uh, from Israel's uh, entry into the UN over uh, over the decades now, um, there has been more and more um, bias, uh, not only in New York at the General Assembly, but we've seen it in the Security Council uh, and uh, in the agencies that we've mentioned before, the Human Rights Council and UNESCO. What do you what do you attribute this to? Well, you know, it's it's interesting uh, the disproportionate and disproportionate is an understatement, uh, uh, censoring of Israel, the scrutiny targeted at Israel, condemnation of Israel is often seen by, by lay people, by observers, as uh, a symptom of Israeli strength, of Israeli strength, uh, certainly vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians. I would argue that Israel is a convenient target. Uh, you know, Israel, as you've said, is not only uh, very often, whether it's the World Health Organization, the Commission on the Status of Women, other bodies, you've named a few of them, not only very often condemned and targeted and censored more than any other single one of the other 192 member states of the UN, but very, very frequently more than all other 192 member states combined. So I think, I think it's a, a function of Israel's vulnerability. Uh, there's a great deal of uh, political pressure uh, being uh, applied to other member states to either get on the anti-Israel bandwagon, at least in the context of the UN. Many of, many of these countries, a growing number of these countries, have strong and uh, uh, strengthening uh, uh, bilateral relationships with Israel. But within the context of the UN, we have this pattern of ritualistic uh, anti-Israel narratives, anti-Israel resolutions that are passed day after day, year after year. Uh, and rather than that manifesting some sign of, of Israeli aggression or of Israeli strength uh, compared to its neighbors, 
uh, we really need to give more thought to the fact that the anti-Israel bloc at the UN uh, constitutes virtually an automatic majority. Uh, the uh, OIC bloc, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the Arab League uh, states, a few of which do have bilateral relationships by now with Israel or less than official uh, relations with, with Israelis, uh, automatically, uh, you know, they have a program of, of singling out Israel for harsh uh, condemnation uh, at the UN. Uh, and this is a, this is a habit that, that will take great leadership and, and creativity and diplomatic skill to break out of. Well, I find there's a great deal of uh, hypocrisy that goes on because countries who participate more or less in, in block voting, which is really mob psychology, um, voting as a block uh, gives people an out for having to, to face up uh, to uh, certain situations. Uh, countries that uh, otherwise have uh, normal and sometimes very good bilateral relations with Israel wind up in the UN uh, voting uh, against Israel almost in every case. Uh, so the hypocrisy is a kind of another level, in addition to all of the things that you've talked about, that you've talked about, uh, is another level of, uh, uh, of, of uh, scrutiny that we need to give because uh, many of these countries will say, well, we have a good relationship with Israel, we, we trade, uh, we have tourism, we do this and we do that, but at the end of the day, they wind up voting the wrong way and usually against Israel. So this, of course, uh, is very much on our minds as uh, we work in the UN and uh, its system, its agencies. Now, there is a new Secretary General uh, at uh, the UN, uh, Antonio Guterres. He's uh, from uh, Portugal. Uh, what expectations do you have for Guterres? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure that there are very firm expectations yet as uh, – Many of our listeners might know he assumed office uh, only at the beginning of, of this month, of January. Uh, we know that uh, Guterres, too, like his predecessors, will be somewhat indebted uh, to the great powers, that he'll be mindful of the fact that as uh, a citizen of Portugal, he took uh, a slot that informally had been previously slated for an Eastern European, and, and perhaps most of all, uh, I think uh, we can be confident that he'll be mindful in staffing his team uh, that his election ended for now, the campaign to elevate a first female UN Secretary General. Beyond this, uh, I think there's no question that aside from reacting to the inevitable challenges that geopolitics bring uh, and bring frequently, uh, Guterres will be very invested in socioeconomic issues, the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals that were adopted under Ban Ki-moon. And as a former UN High Commissioner for Refugees himself, uh, he'll also be highly involved uh, on the issue of migration and the tidal wave of asylum seekers uh, internationally. My guess uh, is that as a career politician, uh, Guterres will be uh, no mere uh, bureaucrat. Uh, I think he brings longstanding personal uh, uh, beliefs, ideological beliefs and goals, uh, though I also suspect that he's going to be uh, fairly savvy uh, politically. Now, as far as Israel at the UN, uh, there have been some small steps in recent years uh, when uh, Ambassador Gillerman, Ron Prosor, another ambassador, the, the previous ambassador, um, was representing Israel at the UN. Now uh, uh, Danny uh, Danone is there. Um, 
do you see any progress for Israel outside the issues that we're talking about here in terms of uh, assignments, um, uh, committees uh, to which uh, Israel uh, has either been elected or participates in? Is there is there anything there that we should take note of? Well, absolutely. I think we need to look at the uh, little bits of positive in addition to the uh, 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 generous uh, uh, helpings of negatives that we, we have to continue to fight. Uh, to take one, uh, just one structural uh, inequity that Israel has been saddled with over the course of decades. Israel for decades uh, was the only member state of the UN uh, formally denied inclusion in its own neighborhood, its own regional block. So Israel, of course, is in the Middle East, uh, would be a member of the, the Asian uh, bloc along with its neighbors. Uh, and this minority presence, this Jewish state in the region, the only democracy in the Middle East, uh, was denied because of the, uh, the, the presence of, of the Arab states, denied simple membership in its natural regional bloc. And so this anomaly had been left to stand for, for many, many years. Uh, and finally, uh, Israel was afforded uh, not fully and not necessarily permanently. Hopefully one day Israel will be able to assume its rightful place in uh, the bloc that its, that its neighbors are a member of. But Israel was uh, afforded uh, a significant inclusion uh, in a bloc called WIAG, Western Europeans and Others Group, and JUSCANS, uh, an acronym uh, relating to the uh, non-EU member democracies. Uh, and so Israel has had more and more opportunities to uh, make the contributions that it's keen to make. Israel is the first to want to not be uh, stuck in the politics and the divisiveness of the Middle East and the conflict. The conflict is important. Uh, Israel wants peace and wants to solve uh, the issues involved in the conflict, but Israel has so much more to contribute, uh, both regionally and internationally, certainly at the UN and all of its areas of expertise. Uh, and so uh, its its membership in WIAG and other uh, groups has given it more chances to allow young diplomats of, of all um, ethnic backgrounds, all political persuasions to serve within the UN system and to make uh, their contribution. So I think we're seeing seeing more of it under the ambassadors that you've mentioned. Uh, Gabi Shalev is another one. Uh, there's been a a persistent. I mean, and we we all have to admire. It's a small country with with unparalleled challenges. Certainly within the UN system, but but even more so on the ground back home. Uh, unparalleled challenges, and despite that, uh, the Israeli diplomats, uh, uh, professionals that they are and optimists that they are, uh, have really done everything possible to advance what they call a positive agenda, to be talking about uh, disaster relief, social welfare, education, uh, agriculture, uh, uh, medical innovation, all of the areas uh, that Israel, this small, young, and beleaguered country, uh, has made so many strides in. So I think we've seen some progress, and, and hopefully under this new leadership, we'll see more of it. Well, certainly uh, that would be uh, a real turn uh, of the wheel uh, for Israel if, if things were to improve along those lines. But in the meantime, we have the difficulties at the Human Rights Council. Uh, we have uh, the problems in UNESCO, as you mentioned, the World Health Organization, the voting blocks, uh, the, um, the entire 
situation of, of kind of the deck, the deck being stacked against it. And, of course, one of our primary activities here at B'nai B'rith is to be as uh, supportive of Israel as we can and be as helpful as we can in uh, overcoming uh, these difficulties uh, that Israel and, by extension, the Jewish community faces. David, uh, there's so much more to talk about, which we will do at another time. That's uh, all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks again for joining us for the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it just as much as we have. Again, a reminder, please visit our website, benabrith.org. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. Lastly, tell a friend if you like what you've heard. For my colleague David Michaels, I'm Dan Mariashen. We'll talk to you next time on the Benabrith International Podcast. <music>